The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, or envying each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come before you, Lord, and and I ask that you help me, Lord. Help me as I speak this word, Lord God. I pray that you would bind the enemy's ability to twist the word, change the word, pervert the word, Lord. I pray for clarity, Lord God. I pray that I would be a messenger only, Lord. I don't want it to be my words, Lord. I want it to be yours. I want to deliver, Lord God. I don't want to put my name at the bottom, Lord. I want it to be your name, Lord. Your heart, your will, your glory, Lord. your name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. My title... I want to be real gentle as I say this title. This title is not for um, this title is not for individuals. I never have went to a sermon and tried to do something for individuals. I try to do it because it's something that I need and something that all of us need. And this title is a little bit inflammatory, so it's impossible for me to separate. Um. Impossible for me to separate a message, um, and and and, and I, if I know it's inflammatory, I've got to be real careful how I say it. This is for all of us. Can everybody understand that? This is for all of us because we all are immature in a lot of ways. Okay, and so inevitably there are going to be a hundred people in this sanctuary that think I'm picking on them. And I don't want anybody to think I'm picking on anybody in the sanctuary because this is for all of us. How many want the fruit of the Spirit in your life? And we want God to begin begin to change us so we can be like Him. And we want our old sinful nature to be gone because that sinful nature is not what God wants in our life. He wants us to grow. He wants us to mature and the evidence of maturity and the Holy Spirit beginning to work is more fruit is being born in your life. And all of this fruit that's here, uh, you may not realize it, but it's starting to grow in your life. But we want it to grow abundantly. We want it to grow greatly. We want to mature beyond our years. We don't just want to be a young person that's maturing. We want people to look at us in Christ and say, man... That young person's beyond their years and wisdom and understanding and, and the way they carry themselves and the way they behave. So I'm going to give you my title, but don't throw anything at me, okay? I've got two words here, and they explain what I'm trying to speak as well as any two words I can, or two phrases I can come up with. The first one is a phrase I'm going to get into. It's called adulting. You may have ever heard the originally noun turned into a verb with the um, millennials, it's called adulting, okay? And some of you know what it is, but I'm going to get into it. I'm, the title of my message is Adulting, and here's 
really inflammatory. God wants your pacifier. God wants your pacifier. And I don't want that to be inflammatory, but it's the only phrase I can come up with. You know, I've raised six children, and my wife helped a little bit. (laughs) That sounded bad. I raised six children. My wife did most of the work. I was along for the ride, okay? But one thing I noticed was with the first one we had, Braxton over there, wave your arms. Braxton fully had a pacifier. In fact, he had it uh, to a pretty decent age, and he was still young, and he, he was pretty natural at being weaned from the pacifier, okay? Victoria had it a little less long, and then I started noticing with about the third one, that man, they really don't even need that thing. And so probably my last two or three or maybe even four never used one at all. And I just realized that they don't really need it. It's kind of a convenience thing. I know, so don't be mad at me. It's okay to use them. I'm not saying it's ordained by God not to use pacifiers, okay? So don't take this wrong. But I just decided it wasn't that important to have it. It was kind of convenient because they would cry. You'd put it in there and it'd pacify them. Thus the name pacifier. Um, Fall out of their mouth. Cry again. Run as quickly as you can. Put it back in. Cork them right up and they're not crying again. Okay? They're not upset anymore. And then there's this continual pattern. And they learn really quick. They learn that if I cry, you know you're at a daycare. You know this. If I cry they're going to come running and give me my pacifier back. And so you continually are running and playing this little game for the rest of their young life, okay? And then at some point, somebody, and I feel sorry for the person that has to do it, somebody has to get rid of it, like take it away for good. And that person is not going to be a very popular person. And so this is what God is telling us in the Spirit Spiritually, that there comes a day that somebody's going to have to break the news to you, but that there's no more pacifier. And, and it's really difficult because it's all stages of life. There are lots of things in life that we think we need, but God knows it's not profitable for us to have. And so it's not just your young Christian life, it's not just your middle aged Christian life, it's not just your old Christian life. There's always things. How many know this? That's why don't don't say he's talking to me. I'm talking to everybody. Every stage of your life, every day that you kneel down in prayer, God is going to be taking away some type of pacifier that you think you need. And he's going to ask you to mature and trust him and know that you can bear fruit in your life and you can give up something you think you need, but God says you don't need it. And you're going to have to be put in a position to make that decision and grow. Now, something I really have been fascinated with is there's a thing called arrested development. How many have ever heard of arrested development? Arrested development means there's a natural progression of development in the human brain. And there are things that can arrest that development, meaning it can stop in its tracks. In fact, I was reading, uh, I forgot I even had this. But it was an article on arrested development, and it was saying that there are people walking around 
that are wearing suits, briefcases, business attire, blue-collar attire. In every way, they look like adults, but they're actually 10, 15, 20 years old emotionally. And that's what arrested development is. They literally believe that when a person shuts off parts of their life and refuses to grow, that your development is arrested in your brain. And until you're willing to change, you will freeze at whatever age you shut it off. Everybody hear that? If God is, is Holy Spirit's dealing with you to change, and you're stubbornly staying in that place, your development has been arrested. It's been stopped. It's been seized. It's not going to move forward any. And God wants you to grow because He wants you to have fruit in your life. But woe to the person that takes your pacifier away. Woe to that person. Here's a quote from Tom Landry. How many remember Tom Landry was the coach of the Dallas Cowboys? I don't know that there was ever... How many Cowboy fans in here? No? Okay. I was going to say, there's... I'm not a Cowboy fan, but... But Tom Landry, there were a, there was Amer- they were America's team. They were the number one. In fact, I, if I would say back when Tom Landry coached, half the room probably would raise their hand because he may have been the classiest coach I've ever seen. Very strong Christian, very rarely had a wrinkle on his shirt, had a hat that he would wear, and was the, one of the classiest people. And he, he's quoted as saying, Leadership is getting someone to do what they don't want to do to achieve what they need to achieve. Leadership is getting someone to do what they don't want to do to achieve what they need to achieve. Who is going to do that? That's not a fun job, but that's what we're called to do to each other. To care enough about people... To do what needs to be done to help them achieve what they need to achieve. Arrested development is not a good concept. You need to grow or you can't survive. Your mind was meant to mature, not be arrested and seized up and never grow again the rest of your life. You weren't meant to be 20 years old when you're 50. And somebody's 50 in here and they're like, I know he's talking about me now. Okay, 51, all right? (laughs) But this is for me, okay? And the reason why I say that, because it's also for you, and I'm not going to point my finger. It's for all of us. There are areas of our life that have been arrested, and there's areas in our life that are developing. And what we want is, I want all the fruit on my tree. I want all of these areas to be areas of maturity that are growing in my life. And um, let me give you a few, few examples as a, as a dad. I was driving the other day. And my little girl, Elena, my five-year-old, she was in the back seat. We were driving, and she always, she put certain songs on my phone that I play for her. So I played that song, and she said, well, play this song too. She was kind of getting demanding and a little mean about it. I said, well, maybe I will in a minute just to see how she reacted. And I looked back, and it was this. And she wasn't going to be happy till I played her song. 
And I said, well, I said, I might play it. I played a few other ones, and she was getting madder and madder. And, and to myself, I'm thinking, you know, she can't always win. She's got to learn that life isn't always about winning. So I said, I'll, you know, if you're happy, I might play your song. She wouldn't get happy. <laughs> and so she kept being angry because I wouldn't play her song. How many know these are areas of maturity and development? That they need to learn that they don't always win. I was coaching, uh, give me a few examples in sports. Um, I've had over 600 employees with my business. I've had hundreds and hundreds, probably, I don't know how many kids in my youth groups over the years. I've raised six children. I grew up in a large family. I've, I analyze people and just watch them. How many do that? You just watch and you try to figure out personalities and figure out how they tick and how they move and, and every time I would get a new team, it would be really interesting. And one year, I think you were probably there that day, Brex was helping me coach. But I had this group of kids, and we have a draft to pick all the kids. And one of the kids was on the draft sheet, and, and I had seen him play before. I said, man, he's a pretty good player, you know, a real big kid, one of the biggest kids in the league, you know, and, and pretty solid. We played against him, and, and um, everybody kept passing him up on the draft list. And I was like, well, that's unusual. Why are they passing him up? Because usually it's like gold if you can get a big lineman, you know, for defense and for offense. The bigger kids go pretty quick, you know. And so it came to me to pick, and I said, well, man, why aren't you guys picking him? Pretty good player. They said, nobody wants him. (laughs) Nobody wants him. I said, well, why do they not want him? They said, you can't do anything with him. They said, he he just foul mouth. He grabs people by the helmet and slams them. He gets kicked out of games. He just does everything you don't want a kid on your team to do. And I was like, I was really intrigued. I was like, I I think I might like him. You know, and I said, because there's potential. You know, there's something I can do with that. So I said, man, I'll take him. And so the first day of practice, sure enough, just like I expected, uh, he had no desire to listen whatsoever. First thing I asked him to do when I got him together, I explained how things were going to be. You were there, weren't you? Preston, yeah. So first, I explained to him everything that was going to happen, how, how we were going to do things. And, and uh, I said, I, I want you guys to get loose, warm up a little bit, get your blood pumping. I just need you to run over to that goalpost and run back. And they all took off, and there he was, and he was going. That's how he was walking, real slow. And I said, uh, are you able to run faster than that? He goes, yeah, but I don't want to. I said, well, that's fine. I said, I don't have any problem with that. I said, uh, I said, but you can't practice until you do the first thing I ask you to do. And he said, well, I don't want to. And I said, well, that's fine. I said, you don't have to. I said, just sit right there. And so the whole practice, he sat in that spot, and I let him sit there. And I went up to him, and I said, hey, look, I said, you've got a choice. I said, you'll need to make it after today. I said, either, I said, you have potential to be a really good football player. So I needed him to do something that he didn't want to do to achieve something he needed to achieve. More worried about him as a person than I was as a football player. And I said, hey, I said, you could be a really good football player. I said, or, I said, you could not last at this at all. And I said, uh, the way that you're going, I said, you're not going to last. I said, but if you'll listen to me, I said, you'll turn out to be a really good player. And I said, more importantly, you'll be a really good person. 
And I said, but I'm not going to allow you to cuss. I'm not going to allow you to have temper tantrums. I'm not going to allow you to not listen to me. I said, you have a choice. I said, you can either listen and be a really good football player. I said, or you can not listen. And I said, this isn't going to end well. And so he sat there the whole practice. And the next thing I know, Grandpa was there. And Grandpa was kind of a big guy like him. And first thing I could see him, I know I've recognized over the years that wild-eyed look. And he comes over to me and he says, mad as he could be, face was red. And he says, you don't treat my grandson like that. And, and blah, blah, blah. And he said, I'm going to call down to the park and rec department and I'm going to let him, I'm going to let him know how you are. And so I got my phone out and he was like, what's he doing? And I said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm sending you their number. And I said, then my number too. And I said, I'm just let them know what you're telling me. And I said, and I'm fine with that. I said, but I signed up to coach this team, and he signed up to play. And I said, if he, I said, I'm going to coach it. I said, and I hope he plays. I said, but he's going to do it my way, not his way. And so anyway, the next thing I know, Dad was there. Also, they all cut out of the same mold, size-wise. So Dad comes in, and he's kind of stern-looking and heading straight toward me. And I was like, oh, no, not again. And he came up, and the first thing he did was stuck his hand out. I was like, what is this? He said, uh, I want to thank you. I said, well, why do you want to thank me for? He said, you're the first person in his life that's ever stood up to him. He said, you stood up to my dad and you stood up to my son. And he said, and I appreciate that. He said, you'll never have another problem with my son again. And he got dad out of there. Dad never, our grandpa never bothered me. The son, am I telling the truth? He was perfect all year long. Perfect player. He ended up going, playing all the way through high school. Uh, he cussed one time. We were sitting there, something happened, and he was like, bleep, and everybody froze. And everybody got <laughs> real quiet, didn't they? And he goes, I'm sorry. And then I started laughing, and I said, man, you know how much you've changed and how much God is growing. God's changing you. And I said, you're becoming a better person, you know. And um, anyway, I've had a lot of... Uh, a lot of kids like that, that their development is being arrested. Okay, there's things in their life, there's this, in fact, I couldn't remember the word. Oh, I know what it is. Enabler. I had to ask somebody what that word was, because I never can remember that word. But people enable certain attitudes. Listen to this. When you are manipulated and controlled by someone's anger... You're teaching that person to be angry. That's what an enabler does. If I allow you to control me and manipulate me every time you're angry, I'm teaching you how to be angry. I don't want to teach somebody how to be angry. If I am manipulated and controlled by someone's laziness, I mean, no, I'm teaching them how to be lazy. No, this is not popular stuff. <clears throat> Adulting, this is another word. reason why I chose this word, it's inflammatory, but it's this generation's word. Okay, let me give you the definition that they give for this word. Adulting is the assumption of tasks, responsibility, and behaviors traditionally associated with normal grown-up life. You hear that? 
This is this generation's word, adulting. Look up definitions for this word, okay? In fact, uh, it's, it says that uh, this word became in use 700 times more in 2016 than it's ever been used. It's a new word, and in 2016 it became so popular that it was in use 700 times more than it's ever been used. That means it's a cultural thing in America, adulting. Adulting is the assumption of tasks, responsibility, and behaviors traditionally associated with normal grown-up life, along with the implication that the individual in question does not particularly identify as an adult, and that acting as one does not come naturally to them. Adult in this context is a verbed noun used to describe forcing someone else, such as an employee, to behave like an adult. Adulting is this, and the way it is used in our culture is, I washed my clothes today. I'm 30 years old. Hashtag adulting. I wish I was joking. I actually moved out on my own. I'm 35. Hashtag adulting. I fixed a meal for myself for the first time. I'm 30. Adulting. And it's this idea that I don't want to grow up. This idea, I'm going to, for as long as I can, I'm going to be Peter Pan. I'm going to be a child for my whole life, and I'm not going to grow up. And there's a lot of reasons for this. Some of them grew up in homes where their moms and dads worked all the time because our, 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 our uh, the way we live our life is so luxurious now compared to 30 years ago. The mom and dad work so much that they've determined they're not going to be like them, so they're not going to work at all. It's this balance, it's all out of whack. You know, some of them grew up in homes where the marriages weren't real good marriages. And so they're saying, I don't ever want to be married. I want to be a, you know, I want to be single my whole life. And so one false balance goes to another false balance. And now all of a sudden you have a generation that says, I'm going to not be grown up as long as I possibly can. And unfortunately, everything that happens in our culture, usually spills over to spiritual things. So we have a whole generation of people that refuse to grow up when they live for God. Church. I ain't going to be a part of a church. Support leadership. I'm not going to support leadership. No, I'm not going to money. Why would I ever, you know, give anything to an offering plate to a church? You know, Devoted to my fellow church members, seeing them do well, helping them, pouring into their life. No, nah, it's about me. I'll live my life for me. And do you see how everything in the culture spills over to the church? You can't avoid it. If America is culturally one way, we have to really be strong to make sure we don't go that same direction. Because adulting can be a part of the church, and we can have a whole church. It's potential. I'm not saying it is. But it's possible that the whole church in America could have the same Peter Pan syndrome. I'm not going to grow up. And here's the problem. If we don't grow up, we don't bear fruit. If we don't learn how to grow up, I know that your mom and dad might have been the best example of a Christian, but we don't go the opposite direction. we got to be the example for our kids. We've got to be the example that you think they weren't. We've got to be. 
We've got to try to be that. We've got to be responsible and accountable. And when I first started thinking about this, I put down nine things. Um, in fact, if you ever want to go and search this out, all I put in was signs of maturity. And these weren't Christian articles. Just Google search signs of maturity, and you'll see about 20 different lists. Some are lists of five, some are lists of 10, some are lists of 20, some are lists of 25. One was 27. These are signs that somebody's maturing. Like when you watch your kids, there's certain things they do that you say to yourself, wow, that's a mature thing they just did. These are lists of those things. And so we've got to apply those things spiritually just to see if we're adulting. Just to see if we are still crying over our pacifier or we're really growing up as Christians. So these lists, I just kind of put them together. And you know one thing I started really noticing? And I might make a point of it as I'm going along, is these lists, almost every one of them, directly tie in with one of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, which is the maturity of the Christian, are almost exactly the same list as these secular lists. I just didn't have time to dovetail it all together, but you'll see as I go along here. There's certain things that mark us as maturing. Now remember, everybody take a breath. Chad's not specifically talking about me. He's talking about all of us. Okay? I am not presenting myself as the picture of maturity. I'm presenting myself as the person who hopes to mature and be as complete of a mature person as I can be in the Lord. And that's what we all should be doing. That's part of maturity. Is recognizing that. It's actually one of them. All right. Number one, the first thing that popped into my mind that is a difference between somebody who's maturing and somebody who is not at all is, you ever notice when you leave the house, you got to have somebody there that can give account. It's like there is a certain age where you're old enough to be left alone. It's like your brothers and sisters are there, but hey, we're good because Josh is there. He will give account of what happened when we left, right? How many know that's a part of maturity? If you're not able to be trustworthy enough to give an account, then you've not matured yet. But if you're trustworthy enough that when they come home, you're like, man, you know what? They knocked the lamp down. They were wrestling. You know, they had a big, you know, ring set up in the living room. This is like a normal, okay, this is normal life, all right? So if you're able to give an account, accountability is a sign of maturity. Listen to this. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 5.10 We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Second Corinthians 5.10 Romans 14.10-12 Why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Wow. Accountability has with it a deadline, doesn't it? If I'm accountable and I'm there with the other brothers and sisters and I know mom and dad's coming home, I know there's going to be a time of accounting that I have to say what happened. And that's part of responsibility that you're mature enough to recognize that because the other ones don't. They don't realize that all the damage that you did 
All the damage they did while mom and dad were gone, they, do you know that a, a immature child doesn't realize that mom and dad are about to come home? They don't, that doesn't even enter their mind. Like they don't even stop and think, I just destroyed the entire house. My mom works really hard to keep this house nice. And now there's crayon marks all over the walls. The furniture has permanent marker. I broke the lamp. I broke a picture frame. I stuck a fork in an electrical socket. Oh, I should never say that. That's bad. There's things that you do. I should never say that. I'm sorry. But there are things that that's, that'll kill you. Please know that. Okay. But there are things that these kids do and they don't even think about it. There's no um, accountability in their head. It's like I can do anything I want and get away with it. But hopefully there's one person there that understands accountability. They have vision. They say, you know what? Everything that you're doing, you're going to have to give an account for, good and bad. So like if you did the dishes, you know, you cleaned up the house, they're going to look at you and say, you did something really good. I'm really proud of you. Or they're going to say, I can never leave you alone again. I can't, I can't even leave the house. And see, this is how it is with spiritual maturity. Some people take those verses seriously. Those are written to Christians. Those aren't written to non-Christians. Non-Christians go to a different throne. It's heaven or hell. This isn't heaven or hell. This is God holding us account for what we do in our life. And if we're mature, we recognize that every idle word we'll have to give an account for. That we'll have to stand before God and, 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 and for everything that we did, we'll give an account. And if you're a mature person... That alone will make you bear better fruit because you're aware that a time's coming when I have to give an account. So accountability is a big part of maturity, that I'm accountable for my behavior and I care in every part of my life what God thinks about me. Amen? Second one, a mature person is able to keep long-term commitments. Like if you have a child work the garden with you, Okay, I had, I had my children help me plant orchard trees, a whole orchard. And you know what they were thinking? They're like, what's this? I'm like, this is apple tree. You know, this is, um, this particular apple is a, uh, golden delicious apple. And I show them in the store. That's what, that's what our tree is. And they're like, oh, great. Tomorrow they're disappointed. Then the next day they're disappointed. And then they go from being eight year olds and now they're 15 year olds. And they're like, I already gave up on that, like on day two. Okay? And the reason why is because maturity doesn't allow you to do anything long term. You ever seen a child's attention span? And the things that, a lot of the things that God's calling us to do in our Christian life is long term. It's like we can't get sidetracked with every disappointment. Every time something doesn't go our way, we can't take our eyes off of it. Okay, every if you're planting an orchard, it's a great example. I had a man who had eight children. I used to ask him for advice all the time about raising my kids, and he'd always say, think of them like an orchard. Everything that you do, the pruning, the watering, the fertilizer, everything is long-term, and you won't reap the results till 10 years later. And everything in this Christian life requires long-term vision. But if you're young, you just can't have that. If you're immature, you just can't have that. 
Because all you can see is your day-to-day failures. All you can see is your day-to-day obstacles, your day-to-day roadblocks. What God's saying is, no, if you want to be mature, you have to have long-term vision. If you don't have long-term vision, then there's a place there of immaturity. Number three, mature person is unshaken by flattery and criticism. I want you to imagine a child. You've got to be really careful when you're around children. You can't say things like I just said earlier. But you also can't insult them very much. If you say something slightly critical to a child, you could literally scar them their entire life. If you compliment them too much and flatter them, you could equally destroy their life. You can turn them into a raging, proud monster that nobody's ever going to be able to deal with. And you see both these extremes. You see kids that are so damaged in their self-esteem as kids because somebody said something that they shouldn't have said to them. Or they said something that made them think way too highly of themselves. And so they're here you have adults that have been scarred as children. But here's the problem. When you're now 50 or 60 or... 70 years old, and that criticism still destroys you. And that flattery still puffs you up. Now, a wise person will listen to the criticism, and they'll be really wise about it. They'll say, well, let me look at the criticism, because there might be something valid there that I can use. But they also understand there are some people that criticize everything. Some people that are going to be angry no matter what you do. There's some people that are going to be, um, they're going to say things that are hurting for some reason that you're not even aware of. And so a wise person, criticism doesn't affect them. It helps them. It's like if there's any little ounce that I can get out of there that will help me, it'll help me. But if it can't destroy you. You've got to understand people have opinions, and they can have a different opinion. They can say that you're not the greatest person in the world. That's okay. I'll agree with them. You're not the greatest person. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Or flattery. Some people, man, if you flatter them, they're not kids anymore. But if you say something complimentary about them, man, they're so ego-inflated. You know, I'm almost afraid, I'm careful sometimes when I compliment because if you say somebody's a great teacher, you've got to be careful because next time they walk in, they'll, they'll be an inflated teacher. Like, oh, I'm not just a teacher. I'm a great teacher. And, and you've got to be careful that flattery doesn't destroy you either. Flattery can't destroy. I can't be walking off this platform basing my life on whether people like or dislike what I say at the pulpit. That's not a mature attitude. I can't go to work. I can't go to work and be way up or way down based on what people at work think about me. I can't live my life thinking about what people think about me all the time because it's always going to change. If I said, if I said that um, let's order food, can I get agreement on anything? then why are they going to agree on you? If I go to the internet and I say, hey, water is wet, 
They're like, have you ever studied science? Water is not wet. Water is dry. And they'll clearly show me how water is dry. And there'll be three or four other people that say it's neither wet nor dry. Another one say, well, it's clearly wet. You guys are idiots. And then the other one says, no, you're idiots. It's dry. Trust me, I know. And some of you are living your life with those kind of opinions. The forum of people. They like me or they don't like me. They criticize me or they love me. I hope they think I'm beautiful today. You know, I usually get up in the morning because it's healthy. And I fix myself up. And I say, here goes, world. Tell me how beautiful I am. I don't, and, and I'm not, and I'm kind of laughing about it, but I don't want you going every day. I don't want my sons or my daughters. I don't want the girls in this church to be bound by what people think about you. As you mature, trust me, that gets less important. When hair grows on my ears and I have to shave it once a week, all right, how many know what I'm talking about? Grown a few skin tags on my body, all right? How many of you those, all right? I'm admitting something you don't need to know. As you mature, I mean, no, people's opinions get less and less important, and that's healthy. That's healthy. Number four, a mature person, remember, this isn't my list. Just Google it. You're saying you're making these up because you're after me. No, Google this, okay, and know that I'm not making this up. A mature person possesses a spirit of humility. It says humility parallels maturity. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Mature people aren't consumed with drawing attention to themselves. They see how others have contributed to their success and even sincerely, and can even give sincerely honor to their creator who gave them talents. This is the opposite of being arrogant. Mature person realizes how much they don't know. Say, no, but I know a lot. Let me, if you don't believe I know a lot, let me spend the afternoon telling you how much I know. All right, let me spend a lot of time making sure you know how smart I am or how intelligent I am or how I'm right and you're wrong. But a mature person realizes how much they don't know. Like they realize that I know some things, okay? All of us know some things. Some of you could even say you're expert in certain areas. But the people that I see that are expert in certain areas are always fishing for other people that might give them more information even in that area. That's why there are medical journals. Because these are experts in their field and they want to find out what other people in the field are saying because it might add to what they know already. They're mature and they realize they don't know everything. Only one person knows everything and that's God. So if you want to be a mature person, realize that you don't know everything. I realize everybody's telling you how smart you are and how wise you are. And that's a good thing. But if it inflates us and it makes us quit learning and quit being teachable, then it's destroying us. You got here rain. So part of maturity is having a spirit of humility. How about this? Not taking everything under that category, not taking everything personally not being easily offended and not feeling the need to defend yourself, prove yourself, or make excuses for yourself. Whoa, I've never had that happen. Everybody looked away when I looked. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, no, that having a good view of yourself is really important. Maturing enough to look at yourself in a mirror and saying, man, there's areas that I can improve every single day of my life. There's ways that I can do better at communicating. There's ways that it's really important if you're a mature person. I mean, know that, again, let's go back to the children because this is the immature. Do children do that? Children get easily offended, right? You ever been on a playground? All right, stay away from the playground. You're too old to be on the playground. You're getting a lot of trouble. So if you raise your hand, you're in danger. Stranger danger. All right? <laughs> Not taking everything personally. Easily offended. Feeling the need to defend, prove, make excuses. How many have ever rolled in a car with a bunch of kids on a long trip? Do they ever argue? How many know that arguing is a childish concept? And as a person matures, they have less of a desire to argue. They just don't have that desire. Why? Because wisdom tells you that rarely does it accomplish anything. But kids, they'll argue over everything. They'll be like, I had it first. No, I had it first. You said that. No, I said this. You said that. I said this. How many know those are areas of maturity? Easily offended. Man, how easy is it to offend a little child? If you're sitting at the table and you say something just the wrong way, that child will cry and run from that table. I bet none of you have ever seen that. Or if you're in the playground, it's like, I'm mad because I got out and I wanted to hit a home run and kick ball, so this ball's going with me. Good luck in your game. So we've got to, it's not easy. How many know this is not easy stuff? But how many know that's areas of arrested development? Areas that have seized up and we're refusing to grow. But it's hard to grow. It's hard. I know it is. All the energy of that fruit tree is trying to make fruit. If you don't give enough energy to that fruit tree and you don't prune some of that stuff off, it can't get the energy to produce fruit. And all of our relationships are going to be destroyed because we stay immature. And we don't want to grow in our faith. And our faith seems not real anymore. Because we won't grow. <clears throat> Number five, a mature person's decisions are based on character, not feelings. Mature people live by values. They have principles that guide their decisions. They're able to progress beyond merely reacting to life's options, but they are proactive in living their life. Their character is master over their emotions. Remember, these aren't even Christian lists I'm going over. These are just lists of secular articles that I was reading. You know, They somehow know better than we do sometimes. But it says that they live with values. What that means is there are certain things that I know are destructive in my life because I have values. I believe this to be destructive in my life. Children don't avoid those things. Children run right into every destructive thing they can run into, but wise people understand that that's destructive for me and my future. How many know there are a lot of people right now that are living destructive lives all around us? They know that it's not the right values, but they keep doing the destructive behavior because of immaturity. But then as we get wise as Christians, it's time to stop. This is written to Christians. As we become Christians, we stop with the destructive attitudes. 
and we live by character. If you want to grow fruit in your life, we have to familiarize ourselves with the word character. That means uh, no matter how much it hurts, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the right thing no matter how much it hurts. I'm going to stand on the principle of what is right. And that's how we live by character, and that's how we grow fruit in our life. Proverbs 19.11 A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Do you see all these fruits of the Spirit? How many know the opposite of love is not hate? The opposite of love is selfish. Right? Self-control is doing the things that are right as opposed to doing the things that I want to do. Right? These are all fruit of the Spirit. Peace. What is peace? Peace is walking away from an argument, not having a desire to fight in that argument. Right? Patience. Love. Peace. Peace is, uh, as you get older, how many know as you get older you want to fight less? You want to argue less? You want to get in disagreements less? Now there are certain times we have to stand on principles, right? But peace grows in a mature mind. Somebody that's able to overlook an offense. Somebody that's able to walk away from a situation. Somebody that's able to keep their mouth shut whenever there's a disagreement. These are all maturity things. You say, but I don't want to. I don't want to. That's exactly what the little kid does. Little kid stomps their feet and I don't want to. I want to do it this way and they won't walk around with their arms crossed. And God say, We can't do that anymore. Let me have your passy. Let me have that. I want you to grow. I want your faith to be real. I mean, oh, if you don't grow, you start thinking to yourself, This Christian life's not even real. Because it's just like everybody else. God said, No, give me your passy and it'll be a real life. You can grow up, we can adult here, and it'll be a real life, and you'll see the power of the cross. You'll see the power in your life of what God wants to do in your life. If we allow the sinful nature to keep growing, we'll never see that. But when God allows us to grow up in the Lord, He can do great things in our life. The next one, I'm almost done here. Stay with me. A mature person expresses gratitude continually. It's kind of funny, really, if you work with children on a regular basis. It almost takes your breath away how selfish they are. Like, they're, they rarely appreciate anything. That's why as parents you try to t- teach them thank you and please, because they have no concept of that, right? It's like everything in the world revolves around that child. And when that child starts doing mature things, like showing gratitude, you look at them and you say, wow, that gratitude shows me that you're growing up. The way you're acting now isn't like a child acts. And a child, when they're able to be introspective about their life and say, man, mom, you do a lot for me. I didn't realize that you even cut my food up. All I have to basically do is open my mouth and say, ah, and, and you put it in there. You prepare the food all day. Dad works for it all day. Dad must really be tired. Man, who? how did that grass get cut? I just thought it was naturally short. You were doing that all those years? And see, a child doesn't even know that. A child has no gratitude. A child just knows me, 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 me. 
And see, when we're young in the Lord, that's how we are. We don't have any gratitude for God. We don't have gratitude for anything in the church. We don't have any gratitude for mom and dad. But what God wants to do is take our passy. And I know that's inflammatory. Every time I say that, everybody cringes and they're like, I hate you. That's okay. Somebody's got to pull it out, though. (laughs) I don't mean to be inflammatory. Somebody's got to pull it out, though. Because we've got to grow in the Lord. And it's like gratitude is one of the quickest ways to recognize, have you matured? If you can recognize, somebody, uh, I was walking around the other day, how many know in my spare time I do janitorial work? It's a glorious job. It's not as glorious as you think. But I was walking around, and I'm, and I'm general, I don't smile very much. Uh, when I was a kid, I like smashed all my teeth, and I just never really smile a lot, but I'm always happy. Like I get up in the morning, I'm happy. When I go to bed at night, I'm happy, and I'm just always happy. And one of the guys was asking me one day, he said, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? He goes, you're always doing great. I said, yeah, I am, aren't I? He goes, how is that? I said, well, I said, I can walk, I can talk, and I can see. And I said, you know what? For the guy that can't walk, this is the greatest day of his life because he can walk. For the guy that can't talk, it's the greatest day of his life because he can talk. The guy that can't see, this is the greatest day of his life. He can't see. And I said, I can do all three. And I said, so I'm really happy. And he was like, man, I never thought about that. And he's one of those guys that's always upset and always mad at somebody and this and that. And, you know, as you get older, you learn how, you learn how to be happy. One of the fruit of spirits is joy. You know, joy isn't the same as fun. All of us want to have fun all the time. I always have fun. I always be doing something that's fun. But as you get older, you realize fun and joy aren't even remotely the same. Joy is like a sense of well-being. It's like, man, life is good. You know, there's a lot of bad things in this life that could get us down. But you know what? I've got God in my life. If I couldn't walk, I couldn't talk, I couldn't see, but I had God in my life, I'm blessed more than almost anybody in the world. How many know that our future is so bright if we know what's in store for us? And so the more mature you get, the more joy you have. You say, well, it has to do with circumstances. No, that's immaturity. That's what kids do. They're like, what are we doing today? Nothing. I'm having a terrible day. And they're mad all day long because I don't get to have any fun. Right? Am I telling the truth? But then you mature, you learn it's not about fun all the time. You can't afford to have fun all the time. But you can afford to be joyful all the time. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? Praise the Lord. So one sign of maturity is is joy. Number seven. I'm almost done. Say praise the Lord. Mature person knows how to prioritize other people above themselves. Wise man once said, a mature person is one whose agenda revolves around other people, not around their self. Certainly this can go to an extreme and be unhealthy, but I believe the pathway out of childishness is getting past their own desires, beginning to live to meet the needs of other people and less fortunate. When you are a child, okay, when you're a child, you never ever think about providing for another person or helping another person or doing something for another person. When a parent sees you do something out of the goodness of your heart, another person they know that you're maturing because a child just can't get out of that realm of me 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 
Their immature mind can't understand the well-being of other people. It's like, you have my toy, and I want my toy back. And I'm going to get my toy back because it's all about my pleasure. Okay, I get this toy, I'm happy. I don't care if you're sad that you don't have that toy, okay? And sometimes as Christians, that's how we act. We're not happy when other people are happy. We're not happy for them that their life is going well. We're envy, we're, we're envious, we're jealous. All these strife that happens in the church, the Bible says where there is pride, there is strife. And so we are like a kid. It's all about me. If I'm happy, then I can be happy for everybody else. And if I'm not happy, then I'm not happy for everybody else. But, you know, when you grow up, I get up in the morning, my wife gets up in the morning, and it's all about our kids. What do we need for their day to go well? What, what do they need today? What do I have to do for them? How many know that? And all day long, you're providing for the needs of everybody else. And at the end of the day, you say, well, maybe I could do something for myself. Have you ever been there? That's a mature person. You, uh, you're adulting. You're adulting. Some people have never adulted. It's all about me all day long. It's never about anybody else. Always about me. And what God wants us to do, and you know, everything in the Bible is about pouring out to the people around us, not just about ourselves, right? Number eight, I've only got nine here, so I'm almost done. Showing flexibility and openness as opposed to resisting, controlling, and being unreasonable. How many of you know children are resist, control, and are unreasonable? Very much so. They will control every aspect of life if you let them. And if you give that to them, you're teaching them to be that way for life. They'll control everything. But as you mature, there's flexibility. In fact, it's not in the Bible, but maybe it should. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not break. Right? We have heard that. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not break. You need to figure out the bad things happen in life. As you get older, you realize that if it can go wrong, a lot of times it will go wrong. And some of us are getting knocked down every time something goes wrong like it surprised us. I mean, you know, mature people are calm. They're not dramatic. They don't get bent out of shape. They don't run out of the room cussing. They don't get bent out of shape. When you're mature, you've been through this. As they say, it's not my first rodeo. Some of you aren't mature in the area of emotions yet. You get bent out of shape when one little thing goes bad. And when you're mature, that doesn't happen. It's like, I've been here before. It's not exactly the same. But I've been here before. And the more experience you have with life and the more mature you are, the more you're like, peaceful, calm. I'm not going to overreact. And you know, how many know that God has called us to be that way? I've not given you a spirit of fear. I've given you a, a spirit of power and of a sound mind. And as we begin to grow in the Lord, that peace will be on us and, the, and it'll be noticeable to the world. Why are you always so calm when things get out of way? Because I trust God. Mature. I trust God in my life. I'm not going to get bent out of shape. 
Mature person seeks wisdom before acting. Let me know, if you're a mature person, you're not afraid to ask people around you what they think. You're not afraid to say, is this a good idea what I'm doing? Is this something I should be doing? Is this something that's good for my life? How many of you know a child doesn't do that? A child doesn't seek out wisdom. So one way you know your kids are maturing is they seek out wisdom. They seek out your wisdom. Like, hey, Dad, uh, what should I do in this situation? And, and when you pick yourself up off the ground, because they ask you your wisdom. How many of you know a child doesn't do that? A child just assumes he knows everything. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what I want to do. But when you mature, so how's, what's that have to do with me as a Christian? Listen to this. Jude, verse 24 and 25, to him is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. The only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all the ages, forever and ever. Amen. A mature person will regularly ask God what he thinks about their life. Because God is the only one that knows everything. God is the only one with the wisdom. That's why we pray. That's why we listen to people like me talk this long. I'm trying to send you a message from God to help you grow in your life. And a, and a person who is mature will constantly be seeking out wisdom. They won't assume that they have all of it. And I know nobody in here believes that, but we've got to make sure we know that. We don't have all the wisdom. There are people in your life that are... There, there have been people in my life that people would never think would give a wise word of giving me the wisest words of my life. There are people that I ask regularly that people would say, you got advice from that person, but I will listen to that person. I'll seek out their advice. I'll seek out their wisdom. I've had words given to me from people that you would be shocked gave me wisdom. And a person who is mature will do that. A person who is immature will assume they know everything. Leave me to my own devices. I'm pretty smart. Stand your feet.